Welcome to the Model Railway Show. I'm Jim Martin. And I'm Trevor Marshall. Jim and I are glad to have you with us. If you're hearing us for the first time, we'd like to remind you that our first two shows are still available via iTunes. You can find out more at our website, themodelrailwayshow.com. We're glad you've joined us as Jim and I carve out our own little niche in the world of Model Railroad podcasts. That's right, Trevor. We want our shows to be short and tasty. Neither of us wants to keep you away from your actual railroad modeling activities for too long. But while you're away from the workbench or the layout room, we do want you to feel you've been entertained. We'll talk more about the show a little later on, but right now we're going to give you a behind-the-scenes look at one of the many ways in which model railroads can be great. Here's Trevor with our first guest. The model railway calendar is marked with many annual events, but for the past two decades, one of the most eagerly anticipated is the publication of the Great Model Railroads Annual. Bringing the best of model railroading in a variety of scales and gauges to us each year is the task of Andy Sprandio, the publication's founding editor. Andy is no stranger to model railway enthusiasts. He has been on the staff of Model Railroaders since 1979 and has been its executive editor since 2001. In addition to editing Great Model Railroads, Andy has also overseen several other special issues and how-to books for the Kalmbach Publishing Company. This year, he celebrated the publication of the 20th annual issue of Great Model Railroads. At home, he models the Santa Fe and HO scale. Welcome to the Model Railway Show, Andy. Hello, Trevor. Glad to be here. Now, 20 years editing Great Model Railroads. That's quite a run. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, how has the annual magazine evolved over that time? Well, our basic mission has uh, stayed the same, but, of course, we've tried to improve it uh, over time. In uh, 2005, uh, we enlarged the uh, trim size, made the, uh, the magazine bigger. And on the bigger pages, uh, we can now uh, run the photos a little bigger, and we have uh, less cramped page layouts compared to a smaller page size. So we made it look better and uh, try to improve the uh, quality of the photo presentation that way. Another thing we've done is to uh, build up the, what you might say, uh, information side of thing as well as, as the inspiration. We want to make sure there's plenty of uh, how-to and design and operating information with uh, all the stories. We've made it a point to include at least two sidebars on a how-to or design or operation subject with each story. And in fact, this year's edition has 21 of these, so we have uh, given them their own uh, page on the content spread just to emphasize that point. Now, the criteria for it, what makes a model railroad great must have evolved over 20 years. And of course, there must be things that are timeless about them. What are some of the things that have made, what are some of the changes that you've seen in the past 20 years? Well, we've seen the quality of modeling improve, certainly. Uh, We've seen uh, quality of photography improve, too. The um, advent of digital photography has made it, I would say, not necessarily easier, but more accessible to to a lot of amateur photographers. Uh, You have the advantage of being able to see, you know, your results right on the spot and make improvements that way. So I think we've seen a lot of people able to to do photography on their own now that uh, maybe a few years ago wasn't the case. And generally, the quality of materials available to the hobbyists today has made the task of building a layout, you know, just basically getting a layout going a lot easier. So people have more time to devote to the finer points, I guess you would say. Now, there must be some things, though, that are also timeless about these. If you go back and look at that first issue in 1991 uh, and look at the layouts there, there must be elements that you see in the layouts in the 2011 issue that's just come out. What kind of things are fundamental qualities that make a model railroad? 
railroad great? Well, the basic idea of any great model railroad story is that it represents somebody's dream layout, somebody's model railroad aspiration that they have somehow realized or made come true. And we hope that that inspires readers to go ahead and work on their own aspirations. The other thing is that we look for things that are a little more interesting, I hope, than just a how I built my layout story. I think every one of our layouts has its own unique story, and it's very fascinating to see how many different ways there are to approach the hobby. Now, the publication always comes out in the fall, but you make your editorial decisions early in the year. If somebody wants to submit their layout for consideration, what do you want to see and when do you need to see it by? We are already working on lining up layouts for the 2012 edition, although there's still some openings, so it's not closed out by a long shot. We always ask people to send us some photos to start off, maybe with a brief description of the layout. The photos don't have to be ready for publication yet, just something to uh, to show us what's there and to get the conversation started. And we have a lot of capabilities and facilities for helping people get their stories published, all the way from uh, helping them with photography to assigning a freelance answer or a staff member. So nobody needs to think that they will be held back by their lack of journalistic or photographic skill. That's a very good point, I guess, because a lot of people are uh, might be very good modelers, but they feel a little uncomfortable working on uh, on the words and the pictures. So you can help them out then. Well, we can't build the layout for them, but if they can do that, we can help them with everything else. Now, in the 2011 edition, I've, I've always enjoyed seeing the, the visits back to the layouts that everybody knows really well. You see the uh, what Tony Custer's been doing and, and Bill Darn and other model railroaders that have appeared regularly in the magazines, and we can call them famous model railroaders, I guess. But I'm also always delighted by those those little surprises. The guy who's been working away in his uh, in his train room, and nobody has heard of him uh, in the press, and then suddenly there's his layout in Great Model Railroads. What sort of surprises are there in in this edition for readers? Well, I think uh, there's several of those. A couple of them are things that I would say were known to me, but not widely known. For example we've had a few articles by Jim Herzog over the years, but we have a uh, big story in this new edition on his Reading layout and the uh, anthracite operations that he models there, kind of at the close of the steam era, and I think even people who recognize Jim's name were going to be surprised by the extent of his layout and the depth of the operation that he gets into. And another fellow that I've been in touch with myself over the years lately, but hasn't shown up too much in, uh, in the press yet, is Otis McGee out in in the Bay Area, who's uh, building a Southern Pacific uh, Shasta route layout. started with a John Armstrong track plan, although he made some refinements to that. And it's really a fascinating railroad, and I think this is the uh, the first big presentation it's had, and I'm sure it will be seen again because it's quite a layout. Yes, I've seen that one myself, and it's really an experience not only to see it, but actually to run trains on it. He's done a great job there. Andy, thanks for joining us on the Model Railway Show. It's a pleasure to be here, Trevor. Andy Sparandio is the editor of Great Model Railroads from the Combat Publishing Company, and the 2011 edition is now on sale. Thanks, Trevor. I've been a faithful reader and gazer of Great Model Railroads ever since the first issue. Techniques and materials may come and go, but great modeling remains in style always. So hats off to Andy for finding those wonderful layouts for us. Absolutely. And hats off to our listeners for finding our website and this program, The Model Railway Show. Visit our website, themodelrailwayshow.com, to find a link to Great Model Railroads and the many other neat things we talk about with our guests. In the months and years ahead, Jim and I will be casting our nets far and wide to find the people who inform us, inspire us, and from time to time even amuse us. 
I think our next guest would fall under the inspiration label. He's a friend of mine who took up model railroading relatively late in life, but he has made it his life's work to inspire the next generation of modelers, both in and out of the classroom. If the art of model railroading is to survive, it will be because of the efforts of teachers and mentors like Mike Hamer. Here's Jim with Mike. Mike Hamer has proven very, very well that a fine, spacious-looking model railroad can be built in a small area. As with so many small masterpieces, the magic is achieved using innovative techniques. Mike's HO scale Boston and Maine Western route fits two connected dioramas into an 11 by 13 foot room and employs surround staging tracks to keep the trains moving realistically. This innovation has been highlighted in two of Kambach's annual publications, the 2001 issue of Model Railroad Planning and the 2004 edition of Great Model Railroads. As well, you can click on the links to Mike's layout on this program's website to get a better look. But we're not here today to talk about Mike's layout design. Instead, we're going to discuss how he, as a school teacher in the Ottawa area, invites groups of youngsters to his layout to encourage them into the hobby. After all, we've heard it enough times, the young people are our future. Mike Hamer, welcome to the Model Railway Show. Well, thank you, Jim. Now, you were telling me a while back it was actually the young people that got you into the hobby. How did that happen? Well, it was through youth that I got into this wonderful hobby. And if we go back in time to 1992, the year Canada celebrated its 125th birthday, the teachers uh, at my school where I taught at the time all concurred at our first staff meeting, and they said, let's do something to commemorate this event in our respective classrooms. Well, I recall some of the classes profiled Canadian authors, others artists, and some called, you know, looked into Canadian athletes. But I brainstormed with my grade 4 or 5 class, and towards the end of that brainstorming session, Jim, a little boy in the back of class raised his hand, and he asked this one question. Mr. Hamer, wasn't it the railroad that united Canada? And my reply was, you're right, Mitch. Maybe we could build, and I use these terms, maybe we could build a train set in the back of the class. Of course, I now call that train set a model railroad, and I learned at the same time as the kids, and hey, we even set up a railroad club in the school. So until 92, you weren't steeped in model railroading. You actually used that horrid term train set to say model railroad. (laughs) That's right. I mean, I remember looking at trains when I went camping in New England, and my father would always slow down coming to the the railroad intersection in, in the hope that the lights would come on. Now, this in turn has led to a lot of notoriety for you in the Ottawa area, has it not? Well, you know, we built two layouts. My principal was so impressed with the class layout, he gave me some money to start a model railroad club in the school. And we went around to other schools. We built a sectional layout, and not only did we set up at other schools where we could use it as an educational tool, we also set up at Ottawa's annual railroad show called Rail Fair. And, Jim, the students gave clinics on carving rock work, making trees, and weathering freight cars. And the two layouts appeared in the July 94 issue of Model Railroad Magazine, which was a huge treat for the kids, but also for this big kid you're talking to right now. And the article, I called it Trains 101. Amazing. Yeah, and academically, the students practiced their language skills when they did the research on the railroads, and they used math skills and measuring to build the layout, and even relating distances on the railroad itself. And they practiced geography skills. They learned all about contour lines as they uh, represented the terrain on the railroad. Now, that was back in 92, almost 20 years ago. And since that time, I've made it my purpose to include the young people along with me in my pursuits in this wonderful hobby. Is there a correlation in grades for kids that model railroad? Do they, they get better grades because of the skill sets they learn? Well, I have to tell you a little story. 
those kids have great dexterity. And some of my model railroad friends to this day tease me, said, Mike, you hired those little kids as slave laborers to paint all the HO figures for your future Boston and Maine layout. <laughs> By the way, quickly, so we don't confuse anyone, we're talking about Ottawa, Ontario, not Ottawa, Kansas. That's maybe for the benefit of, of Chuck Hitchcock, if he's listening. <laughs> Can you tell us, Mike, about some of your other pursuits with uh, youth and model railroading? Every fall, I invite a Cub Pack to visit the layout. And the nice thing about the Cub movement is the fact that the boys and girls can be involved. Although I don't believe there's a model railroading badge in Canada, but I think there's a hobby badge, Jim. Actually, uh, my daughter was in Girl Guides, and I pretty much recall a hobby badge for her. So, yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah, Yeah. great. Every June, I invite my class over to see the layout on a field trip, and I set up appointment times, and I offer one weekend day and a couple of weeknights to ensure that uh, it fits into their schedule. And many children have soccer on weeknights, let's say, and they maybe get to the cottage on the weekends. But by demonstrating how much fun you can have running the trains, I often get notes from the parents the next week in their agenda. And the notes often read something like, Mr. Hamer, thanks for allowing my son or daughter to come into your home to see the trains and our family too. Could you please direct me to the nearest hobby shop? <laughs> I hope you're getting it. And I know these sessions have spawned some great model railroads in the region. Are you breaking down gender barriers? How many girls show an interest in this? Well, we just had a, a clinic uh, in the last week where we set up an initiative through the St. Lawrence Division of the MRA. Uh-huh. We invited children to come, and we felt if we had nine or ten kids show up with their families, then it would be a, a success. But we had 34 people in all at this uh, little convention we ran and many of them were girls. Can you tell us more about this? This was the first time you've had this initiative, is it? Was this the, the uh, debut of it? Yeah, well, we're the St. Lawrence Division of the NMRA, and we have a fearless leader. His name's Grant Knowles, and he came up with the idea for this MR101 initiative. And I guess, Jim, you could say our goal was to help families overcome the trepidation of getting started in the hobby. And we advertised with flyers at Rail Fair and also at some of the local hobby shops. We had 34 people show up. Nine were children, but it went, ran an age from 8 to 8. 82. And this 82-year-old gentleman was the biggest kid of them all. He was getting into the hobby after about a 30-year hiatus. And he said he wanted to come out to learn all about this thing they call DCC. Oh, excellent. Well, this really does break down age barriers. Oh, it does. How do you handle questions about the potential cost of the hobby? You really can't sugarcoat it, can you? Well, well, that's a good question. And uh, when I get families coming up to my clinic at Rail Fair, I often tell them about you can get out to the local hobby shop where you can purchase a train set for a reasonable price. And I also send them to the different uh, dealers around the room at the show. And I give them a little warning that there are some higher-end modelers and there are some higher-end products, but not to worry. Uh, You'll find the uh, typical train set, as I call it a train set, for about $100. And really, when they get their kids involved in dancing and soccer, they have fees. And it's no more expensive than that, I would say. Well, really, I don't think there's a better time to get into the hobby if you see the price of used HO equipment at flea markets these days. Uh, you can really build an empire pretty quickly. Do you have any recommendations to experienced modelers who would like to open their layouts to a youth group? I imagine some of the old guys could be a little nervous about that. Well, the first thing I'd say is to host small groups. And if you're going to have a larger group, like I had 20 cubs about a week or two ago, well, then you ask the cub leaders to break them up into smaller sections. And I, I have a, my layout's 11 by 13. I don't want 20 children in there at one time. So what I had is I had a video on in the train room. I had a small worksheet, one of those find the hiding pictures in the bigger picture, and it was a cartoon of a train, and the kids just had a ball, and some of the moms and dads were visiting in the crew lounge. They had fun trying to find the smaller pictures in among the train picture. 
And uh, I have a scavenger hunt where they have to find uh, four milepost markers or five station wagons or six Coca-Cola ads. That keeps a couple of them occupied while two or three or other two or three others have their hand on the throttle running the trains. You should do a clinic on this, Mike. Do you? I mean, this would be an excellent clinic. Well, one of my passions in model railroading is scenery. So I often give a lot of clinics on scenery. Now, I can't call back those children who built the layout in 1992. They're all young adults with children of their own. But you know what? When you talk to people, they say, Mike, you're brave bringing the kids in. But I give them the throttle. They run the trains at prototypical speed. And sometimes the boys in my Friday night train operating group could learn a lesson or two from the youngsters. Mike, you've told us some wonderful stories here. I guess in conclusion, we can say open up your layouts and open up your minds, right? And stop obsessing. That's right, Jim. We stop obsessing so much about the graying of the hobby. Mike Hamer, thanks so much for visiting with us and for showing us the way to reach out to the youth in the hobby. The, uh, the hobby badly needs them. And we'll again remind the listeners to check out the links on our website to Mike's blogs. Mike, thank you. Thank you very much. What an honor, Jim. So, Trevor, how long have you known Mike? Well, I've known him since the early uh, 1990s, Jim. I met him at an organization in Ottawa called the Ottawa Valley Associated Railroaders. It's a dinner club, and the amazing thing about the club, they have about 200 members, maybe 120 come out to the uh, dinners each month, and they are celebrating their 50th anniversary in 2011. That's remarkable. You know, I feel like I'm a friend of Mike's having chatted to him now, and because I've got relatives in the Ottawa area, I'm going to make it a point to look him up the next time I'm in the nation's capital. I think that would be fun. He's always very welcoming to people who come in and see his layout. I think we've got a few minutes left to kill on the show, so let's just maybe do a report card on where we are so far. It's been gratifying the response we've been getting. One criticism we've had is people tell us we sound an awful lot alike on the air. Which, unfortunately for Jim, means that he sounds like me. He's the professional uh, radio here. personality. I'm, I'm the amateur. All this. I can tell folks is unless we can find a way to reverse engineer our DNA, you're just going to have to learn the subtle nuances between us. That's uh, that's all we can do. We'll try to identify ourselves every time we speak. Uh, Another thing, um, we keep accrediting Otto Vondrack with our great-looking website. We should explain that as we're recording this, uh, we are still using the placeholder. Is that the correct word? The placeholder. I think so, yes. So uh, by the time you hear this, you may actually see Otto's all-singing, all-dancing website. We've seen a preview of it, and it's going to be great. It certainly is. Okay, so uh, what do we got coming up next time? Well, next time on the Model Railway Show, I'm going to be chatting with Byron Henderson. He's the new editor of the Layout Design Journal. We'll find out what's in store for this influential publication. And if you're not already a member, we might just convince you to join the Layout Design Special Interest Group. And I'm going to be talking with Model Railroader Magazine's Tony Custer about an editorial milestone he recently marked. So be sure to join us next time. Thanks to our technical director, Chris Abbott, our pedal steel guy, Dave Woodhead, and our web designer, stay tuned for it, Otto Vondrack. For Jim Martin, I'm Trevor Marshall. Thanks for joining us on the Model Railway Show. 